0: The national championship just happened, but pretend you're football for the next hour. I'm your host, Will Bazin, and I'm joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Timothy Preston. As always, you guys are listening to the Hornscast channel. It's the Hornscast channel on any podcasting platform out there. Today, we're going to be talking about Iowa State, a pretty pretty nifty West Virginia win. Talk about what they did well in the Iowa State and the West Virginia games. Talk about what they didn't do well and how they replicate what they did do well against Texas Tech and Kansas State as those two teams come to town. Let's go ahead and get right into it, y'all.
1: But before we do, uh, did you tell everyone to pretend they're a football? Because I kind of feel like you said pretend you're a football for the next hour, which... I mean, they could try. I'm not against it. I just
0: <laughs> you know if that's the case, then I'll leave it in there, but if it's not i won't you know i won't I won't go ahead and edit it to make myself feel better i I'm not on my medicine right now, and so I'm not a hundred percent here. I don't have coffee to make myself feel better i'm just I'm not in it today I'll just be honest. This is the show you're getting. This is what happens when you
1: leave your cocaine at home, right?
0: I Exactly. I left the cocaine at home. The MDMA, it, I didn't have the chemicals to make it in my lab here. The methamphetamine, it's going to have to wait for another day. I just I don't have it. It's not in me today. It's usually, I'll make a, a, a nice cock, you know. <laughs> 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 Man. You, Concoction. Oh, concoction. Yeah. Is, I used to make a nice concoction of the stuff.
1: This is <laughs> the best intro ever.
0: Uh, Alright, you guys ready to talk some basketball? This, you you want to keep going? This,
1: good, this, this is why it's a good thing that you are in control of the edit and not me because you saying this, I don't have a good cock. I, I would just have that on on demand forever.
0: Yeah, And I'm sure somebody who is savvy enough with the internet and recording and whatnot can also have that on demand as well. Delos is and cutting it, it up right now. That's exactly. Delos is a editing wizard yeah. as we've all known. Yeah. So again, we ready to talk some basketball or no. You know we
1: we still we still not done with it? No, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Tim Tim do you have anything?
2: Uh I'm trying to wrap my head around Will's cock stuff. Having a hard time figuring that out.
1: A, a very poorly timed pause, Tim.
2: <laughs> was it, Johnny? Yeah. Was it?
1: Eh, fair. Maybe it was a perfectly timed pause.
0: All right. Do we want to start with Iowa State? I really just want to get into West Virginia. Like, I kinda really just want to get to West Virginia because that's what people want to listen to. Is us just cream ourselves
1: of West Virginia. We are off to a hot start here. So I think we should <laughs> practice some edging, and first go into Iowa State.
0: Ooh, okay. All right, so do we want to talk about the emergence of Andrew Jones in the fourth point scorer against Iowa State? Is that some good foreplay for you, Johnny? Was
1: he good? I don't, was he good? I don't know. Was he good? Maybe he's good. He might have been all right. He was, you know, just a, a measly
0: 10 for 20, 23 points, uh, six rebounds, four assists, only one turnover for Mr. Loose Dribbler, Andrew Jones and you had five people in the double digits against Iowa State so the offense really wasn't
1: the issue there was it no it was uh it was pretty good it was pretty efficient they they averaged 1.11 points per possession or 111 points per 100 possessions that's math you can look it up um that, yes it, sure and see you guys
2: it, in 11 minutes good grief <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah let yeah just yeah go ahead Go ahead and throw that stone through your glass house. Um <laughs> Yeah, Andrew was good. More than his, you know, three-point scoring, which was which is obviously solid. I mean, three for is fine, not amazing, but good enough. Um, I, I liked the fact that he was able to to get to the rim fairly regularly. He showed a, a handful of different moves in doing it. And even when he wasn't scoring, he was rebounding. He was trying to play some pretty solid defense. Basically, anybody who didn't get Javon Johnson on them uh, was playing pretty decent defense. You know, the the team's a whole play outside of what Javon Johnson was doing was, was playing pretty solid defense uh, for the most part. They they didn't they didn't have a great defensive game. It was definitely down by their standards. Uh, they could have played a better defensive game, uh, but they did well against Rasir Bolton, and that's a that's a big part of limiting Iowa State. So,
2: they just didn't seem as fast. I know a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about this year is just you know some of the intangible pieces, but it just it it looked like the energy was not bad, but just maybe not wonderful. And Shaka had had spoken at the end of the game about how it was tough coming off of the the Saturday game at Kansas and and not really having a day off, and that they were going to have the day off then on Wednesday after the game, and so you could just sort of tell that. That some of the emotional toll of, of, of that game in Lawrence coming off of that seemed to have them not as, I mean, I thought they were pretty crisp on offense. It, I didn't love the fact that, that Ramey, Coleman and, and Jones combined for 40 shots. That's a ton. That's a ton with the depth that we have and with the ability that we have with, with Greg and Kai and, and Jericho to get some, some, some shots up to have, to have our guards Get 43 points, which is nice, but but 43 points on 40 shots is is not great efficiency. So that wasn't wonderful. But, you know, again, defensively was really the problem, I thought. And they helped okay. They they contested pretty well. But, you know, on, on the one hand, you, you tip your cap to, to Javon. On the other hand, you you say, okay, well, we could have made life a little bit tougher for him as far as being a little bit more aware, being a little bit quicker on closeouts.
1: Yeah, uh, there was a there was a possession where Greg Brown basically escorted him to the rim.
2: Yeah, honestly, in that game, it, it felt like two. You could hear the coaches screaming, "Get your hands up!" And so many times that the perimeter defenders were just were out along the on the outside of the of the arc, and just their hands were by their you know by their sh- their shins or their hips or whatever, and just did not feel as if they were contesting well consistently, like even in the middle of possessions. So. So stuff like that, again, we got to remember that we're talking about a young team and defensive lapses are going to happen sometimes. And they just come off of one of arguably the biggest wins in the program history, but it it wasn't very clean defensively.
1: Are are they a young team? Yeah, they're not. They're not a young team. This is not a young team. There is a young player on a veteran team.
0: Yeah, it, it seems like this is more of a hangover game for Texas, especially on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. It seems like... You know, they just kind of let themselves go through the paces in a game where you really shouldn't let this two and six team score 72 points on you and have four guys who go into double digits. That's what
1: it looks like out there. I mean, I think with, you know, Iowa State played Baylor basically to a draw for 30 minutes. So they have the potential to give good teams fits. And Texas is a team that uh, is talented enough and, plays with enough energy generally that they were able to keep Iowa State mostly at bay, even though they were only playing sort of a B minus C plus sort of game for them. But they don't. It's a game that that Texas easily would have lost in uh, in other seasons because they would have come out with their sort of C plus effort and a lesser team would have popped them in the mouth. So, I mean, I guess it's nice that they're in a position right now where uh, where they can kind of have a down game, a game where they, they, they don't provide as much energy as they need, and they still win, which is good. Um, and it's better they do that against Iowa State than, you know, Texas Tech or somebody else.
2: It feels like they've done that a lot. <laughs> if you look back at the Davidson box score, at the North Carolina box score, at Oklahoma State, at Iowa State – and West Virginia, I think there's there's at least five of our 10 games we've won kind of in spite of ourselves. Not in spite of ourselves, but but against what we would have seen as somewhat prior history with the fact that it just felt like over and over this year, we've been above average to maybe only slightly above average, but it's been enough. And I thought against Iowa State, like we just – we talked about against Kansas that we were better everywhere and and we played really well everywhere, just about particularly offensively. Against Iowa State, I think we were better everywhere, but we only played better everywhere a little bit. <laughs> so it's fun to watch that talent when it all comes together again and against Kansas. But and it's also kind of fun to know that, all right, well we can, as Johnny said, be what like a B, B-minus offensively and a C or a C-plus defensively or maybe a C or a C-minus defensively and still pull it out somewhat comfortably. I don't think it ever got within two possessions. I think it was three possessions most of the game until kind of right at the it very was, end. Yeah,
1: I was down to four in the last minute before okay. Ramey had those two free throws. Okay. And so. somehow Iowa State forgot they needed... It's like they they thought they fouled and then they all just stopped. And then it became like, okay, well, it's four points with four seconds left and Ramey's going to hit a couple three free throws and we're done. Like that was a weird thing to see a a whole team just sort of stop in that, in that situation. Anyway, yes, I I agree with pretty much everything Tim said there.
0: So then I guess, do y'all want to get to the West Virginia game or we still got more we want to talk about for Iowa state or speaking of winning in spite of yourself.
1: Whoa. whoa, hey, hey. Who are you? Me? Yeah, it's I, I did make a strained segue attempt. So yes, yes, I am Will Bazer. Good. Thank you. You can find me on the on the internet at, at Will Bazer. It's W I L L B A I Z E R. Hornscast Podbean stuff. Podbean. It's
0: Google Play, Spotify, Friendster, 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 Finster?
2: What's that yes,
1: one? You- Goddamn baby it was Friendster. Parlor. Parlor. Yeah, par- <laughs> yeah. No, no, on Parlor, Will is True Patriot 1776. Gab.com. Yeah.
0: Uh, anyways, West Virginia. <laughs> uh, Texas, as you said, should not have won that game at all. And it started from very early. Again, it looked like there's a few plays here and there where. Texas just couldn't get it going or things just weren't following their way, especially in the three-point line, right? They just couldn't hit anything except for Andrew Jones. But, you know, I'm thinking about a play early on when Texas started to lose their edge at the very beginning of the game, which was Greg Brown going in, getting one of his 14 rebounds that game and trying to put in a layup that just didn't go in after he missed the three-point. It was just like, uh, you know, it's such great play, but it's just not following Texas's way this game. And it seemed like that was the that was the theme for the whole game until Andrew Jones did Andrew Jones things.
1: Yeah, I mean I think the the first was it three or four minutes, Texas was clearly executing a plan that that they had seen tendencies on where they would get the opponents big to lift up out of the paint and there would just be a free path to the paint. And even when West Virginia got a little better about that, they still would just throw it up and let the big man drop, you know, dunk it. So there were five or six possessions in a row where Texas would just score because they could, because they had a good, good path there. Um,
2: And and then again, at the end of the game, like four of the five or four of the last five possessions or five of the last six were the same thing. So,
1: and and we can get sort of to the, the adjustments that were made to in the second half in a second. But um, I, I think that once West Virginia, stopped allowing a free pass to the paint things got more difficult and while several of the threes were good shots there were a handful that were settling that were early possession threes that felt less like okay this guy's wide open and more like ramey's trying to get something going or, or whoever right it's like they kind of felt like they needed to see the ball go through the rim uh go through the net um but overall, you know, I, West Virginia does not lose many games where they rebound as well as they did and hit 36% or better from three and basically match you from the free throw line. Let's we put that point into numbers. Texas was
0: four for 19 from three, West Virginia, nine for 25. West Virginia had 40 rebounds, Texas had 38. West Virginia had 13 free throws, Texas had 14.
1: That was the only place that Texas beat them was was free throws, right? Yeah, and it's only by a touch. Like it was, they both had pretty similar make percentages. um, Exactly. Which uh, West Virginia's offense is predicated a lot on offensive rebounds and second chance points. Uh, and they don't really hit much from three. They've got a couple guys this year who can, who are fairly reliable three point shooters, which is a change for them, because generally it's who's the big guy who's going to get a bunch of points for them off of low post work and rebounds and putbacks. But, you know, that's that's sort of the thing with West Virginia is that when they're hitting their threes, they become incredibly dangerous to anybody. Richmond found that out the hard way. Um, so. The fact that all of these factors that you would think would point to a West Virginia win ended up with a Texas win is sort of where I was getting at with this Texas stole that game because, you know, West Virginia played really well. They were up, what was it, five with about a minute 58 to go. So I I am I, I believe Texas was going to win that game with about 1.8 seconds left in the second half and not a moment before. Like, I I watched basically the entire second half just going, yep, all right, this is going to be like a seven to nine-point loss. And I just kept waiting. I mean, to Texas' credit, they pulled it out, but that that was not what I expected.
2: Yeah, I don't have a lot to add to that. I felt the exact same way. All right,
1: let's talk to Texas Tech then, I guess. (sighs) Okay. No, no, no,
0: Tim. I, I, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm not Johnny Brashear. I don't hate you like Johnny Brashear does.
1: I love you, Tim. I want to hear. It's what you have to less say. of a hatred and more of just this seething cauldron of anger. Like <laughs> well, here's the
2: thing: Johnny and I've been playing some Xbox lately, so he's he's starting to feel exactly what I talked about. My other friends, like my my good friends, despise me, and it's because they just play Xbox with me. And now that he's playing with me. He understands, like he starts to he's he's figuring out like what I'm talking about. Why they despise With, so much
1: without hesitation. Sometimes I just call him a beta, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't even mean it. It just happens.
0: Tim, I'm not a couple psychologist, but I feel like the phrase "All my friends hate me when I do <laughs> blank" <laughs> is probably not a great thing you should be you know you should keep on doing. You know, in my unprofessional opinion.
2: In my defense, when I hop onto Xbox Live, I don't send out party requests. I start playing, and if someone wants to play with me, then they can invite me. Otherwise, I don't invite them, so it's on them. So if they don't like it, they should stop inviting me. Tim, this is the sign of
0: a regular gaslighter of... Somebody who, a, a narcissist, basically, pers- what is it? Johnny, you're also a, a, an unprofessional psychologist. What do we call it? Um, narcissistic personality disorder where it's not my fault, it's their fault.
1: Uh, is, permanent is that right? victimhood. Is that what you're looking for?
2: Yes. No, but I don't invite, I, I don't, I don't like join someone else's party if I've not been invited. I, if they don't want to play with me, then they don't need to. You if just, they you,
1: dis- all you do is just drunkenly text Rocket League with four no, question do marks.
2: Not. No, I don't. With you, maybe I do. Not with them, because oh, I'm still, you. I'm still at least marginally better than than Johnny at Rocket League. Although that that gap is shrinking by the minute. No, not, well, not really. Tim, well, West Virginia, it, thoughts. Uh, so, I, 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 more so than than going into the detail, which I thought Johnny did a really good job with. I was so, I've been taken so many times over the last few years that about how often we have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory and we found those ways to lose and it was just you know when when they beat kansas you just sort of sit there dumbfounded and with this big smirk on your face but it's weird to think that a week later i was actually maybe more satisfied when that game got done like just like walking around like Hot damn. We can win two wildly different games in two incredibly difficult places to play, albeit not as difficult, uh, as it would have been, you know, 12 months ago. But to come away from that, it just was, it was just like, this is, gosh, man, it just feels really cool to, to see how they do that. And should we have lost? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that you guys didn't touch on as far as our difference to West Virginia's, as far as the box score was that West Virginia shot 40% inside the arc. And Texas shot sixty percent inside the arc, which is pretty cool. And really, I, I, you know, Will's brother can go fuck himself. But that was a lot of that was on Jericho. I thought Jericho did actually a terrific job of defending Culver, and and so did Brock. There were a number of times when Brock got. <laughs> was especially in the second half ended up, uh, isolated and down low with Culver I'm, and Brock fought his ass off.
0: I'm going to call that a hot take to say that that was a good game from Jericho Sims, Tim. I don't know that maybe I'm on my Island
1: there. I, let me, let me split the difference and say that Jericho played about as well as anyone can against Culver, given his uniquely difficult matchup. Like it was, it, it was a rough day for Jericho but at the same time, I I also saw that I mean, a couple of those were just shit calls, you know, kind of you know, ticky tack fouls. Uh, Culver is a beast, right? Like he's really good. Uh, yeah. He, he's he's probably going to be in the NBA twelve months from now, which he should be. Yeah. Uh, Sixteen but, but, rebounds, twelve defensive rebounds, that's pretty damn good. Well, and he's just he he is he's sort of like if you put Kai Jones in a strength and conditioning program where he didn't have to do anything else but like inhale creatine and lift weights for eighteen to twenty four months, he might turn out to be something like Culver, at least in terms of his uh his physicality and his his agility, right? Like Culver doesn't have the outside shot that Kai does, but there they're sort of this uniquely difficult matchups.
2: He's a better ball handler and a far better facilitator.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he is. I, I think he yeah, he's far more comfortable in the lower high post in terms of both scoring and uh passing out of it than, than Kai is. So Well, I think one guy who had a really big
0: game in this game, Greg Brown, and I think it's important to look at Greg Brown in this game, not because of him being the guy, but because of him being the fourth guy. Right? When you look at this team and you ask yourself who is the best player on this team? I know you two would say Matt Coleman, but I, when you look at it, it, it's even then it's a little bit difficult to see who is the best team. When you look at the stats, right? Cause Matt Coleman, yes, he has the b- more assists and whatnot. You can go by statistically, but man, Courtney Ramey has had some good games. Andrew Jones over the past two games has been really, really good. And he's been a lot more consistent over the past four games than Courtney Ramey has after that. Greg Brown, and he's coming in. 14 rebounds in a game that you win by two points. 14, 12 defensive rebounds in a game that you win by two points. 12 points in general, even though he went 0 for 4 from 3. He had a very, very big game for Texas, even though he wasn't the guy. And he wasn't even the second guy. And he wasn't even the third guy. He was the fourth guy.
2: He has been. And... It's it's kind of impossible for him not to get compared to Jared Allen and Mobamba and Jackson Hayes and I guess a little bit of of Jericho Sims because of some of the the realities of being a a talented bigger guy. But we said from the beginning he's just different. And Johnny talked about it at the you know in April of last year that we thought he was going to play on the wing, and I thought he'd play more as like a combo forward. And I think it's kind of been a little bit of a of a meet in the middle. Whereas he's certainly taken a ton of three point shots like a wing would, but he's also played a little bit more of, at least defensively, more of like a combo forward role. And that's because we've he's had a combo f-
1: wing forward. Yeah,
2: something like that. So, but it's, it's been cool. And, and we talked about fourth score, fourth score. Well, in conference, he's a second scorer. So he's averaging 14 points and 10 and a half rebounds in Big 12 play which seems a little bit strange because sometimes you might think of a, of a freshman to like, maybe he'd come out and hammer the Sam Houston States or, or whomever just teams that are obviously physically outmatched against him, but he's been not just at his best, but really, 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 really damn good in conference play. And, and his second half of, of defensive rebounding, which I think he got 11 defensive rebounds in the second half alone against West Virginia. That's, that's game changing stuff that's that's the kind of thing on top of he had i want to say a couple of big two point mid-range shots in that second half that both of the times he hit those shots i think we were down nine and he brings us back in and so instead of it of instead of West Virginia kind of lengthening it to to 12 or 15 or whatever we're we're back right in there and and those are big shots for a freshman to hit and and so you know, we'll we'll talk more shortly about about kind of the progression of how we're how we're our our triumvirate of guards are allowing for us to to find that fourth score, but it's been it's been really impressive.
1: Billionaire Royce Ham. <laughs> um, I I you know I, I I might have possibly thrown a little bit of shade at Miles Turner in my last Substack recap, uh, because I I mentioned that. When you are a guy who is an effectively surefire one and done, that there is no real reason for you to be invested beyond the business aspect of this. I mean, like, you know, all these guys want to play ball and they all want to win. They're all competitive, but there's a business aspect to it for guys who know I'm here for seven months or whatever, and then I'm heading on. It's it is. Very easy for people of that persuasion to go, well, my shot's not hitting. I'm not putting much on tape that's going to help. Like, I, you know, I, this is this is not going to go in my NBA draft highlight reel, right? So maybe I don't do don't do all the little things or do other stuff. Greg Brown's out there snagging rebounds like his life depended on it. And um, that is the difference between him and some other previous one-and-done guys who I'm not going to name, Miles Turner. He um, he had a significant impact on the win here, and it's a it's an impact that you have when you're willing to do whatever it takes. Right. Like he's going to go make money in a year or less than a year. But in the meantime, he's going to try and help this team win some games. And that's kind of cool. And now Tim's going to go on an eight minute soliloquy about why <laughs> I have severely o- underrated Miles Turner.
2: Now, Rick just needed to play him. Rick didn't start him. I- I'm with you, but th- that to me is on Rick. And if you want to know why Rick is gone, like one of the biggest nails in the coffin was he took a guy like Miles Turner and didn't start him, didn't play him. Y- did you, know why he-
1: you know why he didn't start him, though, right? Like, you know he didn't start him because Miles Turner did not play in the offense. Miles Turner did Miles Turner things while he was on the floor, whether it was part of the he, system or not.
0: Rick Barnes wanted to jam the square peg of Miles Turner into his circle hole.
1: I, I mean, goddammit. Well, it, that is so... A yeah.
2: round peg into a circle hole.
1: That's, that, that actually fits, doesn't it? That fits. That seems I, said, I said square peg. Like you I should, said square peg. No, oh. you said
2: round peg did into a circle peg? hole. I thought
1: I said <laughs> square peg. No, whatever. I said, that's... All right. The t- t- history t- is t- going to show that not only is Tim wrong about Miles Turner, but that Will Baser just said the round peg does not go into the circle hole. Um, uh, yeah, I,
0: look, it's whatever, whatever. Today, today uh, is
1: like mulligan.
0: I'm mulliganing. I'm mulliganing. It, it doesn't
1: matter because everyone who's listening to this is currently pretending they're a football, and therefore they didn't hear any of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right all right
1: so Johnny, now also andrew jones hit a pretty cool shot by the yeah,
0: way yeah, i was about to say johnny where were you and, and what were you doing and how did you feel and you know who did you scare and what happened yeah, when john when, when andrew jones hit that three-point shot
1: i <laughs> so yeah i i spent most of the second half just sort of Curled up on the couch, like not even curled on the couch. Like I was in this sort of contorted position of like, you know, you, you watch somebody sort of hang a photo and it's a little bit off, and you kind of twist your head to the side as you, as you're watching them not fix it, as because you're like you think maybe if you put some body English on it, you'll you'll fix that frame, and that's that's sort of how it was with the Texas game, and I ended up being like half on the couch and half on the table that like we got a little coffee table in front of the couch and and I'm just sort of laying there just like
2: fucking humble brag
1: yeah like, like with my coffee table my my like 20 year old coffee table that I'm pretty sure she got from IKEA um so there's I I'm I'm, I'm sitting there like just just waiting like just please put the pickaxe in just like somebody get the dagger and finish this cuz this I don't think, and I don't think this is going to happen. And then I see it's like, okay, 70 69 with 10 seconds left, and this dude's going to shoot a free throw. And as soon as he missed that, and as soon as I saw that they were pushing the ball up the court, I was like, fucking game right there. Like, so maybe I believed with 4.8 seconds left, but as soon as I saw that they didn't call timeout, that they pushed it up, uh, instead of, uh, you know, instead of trying to call a set play and Ramey, ran into the into the paint with not not abandon like he did it exactly right where he came in with the urgency he needed that the uh that the defense would collapse but not so fast that he'd get called for a charge or something and then kicks it out to Andrew and as soon as that ball left the, the his his hand I I yelped I I like that's the only way to describe it is I yelped not like a hurt dog but like a celebr dog, like a dog who got his foot caught in like a winning lottery ticket. I, I don't, I don't know, but it was, yeah, that was loud. And that's I, quite like, the metaphor
0: I, or a simile, or yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't what, know, know what, what it is. That. A
1: Dog that got his foot stuck in the winning lottery ticket is that, that's that's there's levels there. It's a simile. metaphor. Yeah, yeah, that's like, yeah. <laughs> Give it like. To the English metaphor. Like.
2: Or, yeah, simile means like or as, but yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So I, so I, like, I
0: yelped like a dog. That's a simile. Mr yeah. English. Mr. Fair. English All teacher. Right. Come
2: on. I missed the like. Okay. I, I missed the like. Yeah, you're that's, right. that's oh, yeah.
1: That's why he's an English teacher in Iowa. Um there's
0: <laughs> Oh, oh um, my God. Johnny, yeah. don't
1: do him like that. <laughs> it's it's I anyway, yeah. Uh stood up, yelled, and uh my girlfriend looked at me like I was crazy. So Mr. And then Preston? I proceed to spend the next three minutes explaining it to her. So That's how excited I was by the shot, as I spent three minutes explaining it to the woman who does not give a single fuck about sports.
0: Mr.
2: Preston, where were you? Largely comparable, sitting in my basement, as always, and I watched it during the day, so it wasn't like nighttime. I, I didn't wait to watch it on late, late DVR. But I was very quiet, because the game kind of suggested very quiet, because even when Texas played well, it wasn't super close. And then all of a sudden, boom just yelled boom really loud <laughs> when when Andrew hit the shot and my son Owen came down and was like, What happened, Dad? What happened, Dad? He doesn't follow sports at all. Uh but he just he loves me a lot and so he came downstairs like, What happened, Dad? Oh, did Texas win? And like, look at the fucking score, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Are are they in the orange? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then the one with the T and the E X, you're eleven. Uh but so it was it was it was awesome. Yeah. It was it was just a very quiet, like, they can't win this game. Well, well, okay, they're they're not gonna win this game. Oh, he's gonna hit that three point shot. Nice. Okay, West Virginia, like, yeah, nice try. And then Oh. Boom. So <laughs> it was really cool when that happened. So
0: Yeah, I think One part of the game that we actually actually really haven't talked about is Courtney Ramey and his consistent ability to drive down court and make plays like that, not just in this game, but in games past, including the one against Kansas, right? Against Iowa State, he was doing it. He's just been doing it, and he's been strong to the the brim. It's something we didn't see last year, right? Last year, they were driving to dump off this year they're dumping they're driving to score but that allows them to now drive to dump off for a game-winning shot like that
1: I I think uh if you looked at I mean I I don't have the stats in front of me but I feel like if you looked at someone like Courtney Ramey and you saw his ability to finish it at the rim as a freshman versus as a sophomore versus as a junior, you would see this, this reliable rise. And part of that is due to being just, you know, just getting older, playing more basketball. And part of it is due to the strength and conditioning that's happening in Texas, where uh, a guy like Courtney is able to finish at the rim against contact in a way that he wasn't before, right? Like, his freshman year, he might have tried that that sort of attack and he would have ended up three feet behind the basket because he would have gone up and somebody else would have just knocked him silly, right? Like not not like in a foul sort of way, just they're stronger, right? Um, and so you see that sort of thing now. And it's it it's sort of what this season is is this confluence of events that all sort of speak to a team that whether whether or not they do something you know, amazing in March, they are sort of built for this moment, right? Like you have Andrea Hootie with her second off season with these guys and some ability to at least build programs for them and, and have them, you know, work on their strength and conditioning. Uh, You've got uh, these experienced guards who have spent the last three or four years, depending on who you're talking about building strength, building conditioning, building the the experience to to kind of take on these situations. You know, there's just a lot of different tangents, uh, tangential stories here that are all kind of coming together to put together a team that is actually just flat out really fucking good. And it's for 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 being a Texas fan who has wandered the desert for the better part of a decade basically, it's it's kind of dumbfounding, right? Like, I, I mean, I watched that Kansas game, and there were times where I would just bust out into laughter because I didn't know what the fuck else to do, right? Like, they were just so good, and I am not used to seeing that that my brain could not comprehend it. And so, even when you get a, a game like West Virginia, where they're not playing their best, and West Virginia is giving them a lot of trouble on their own, like this is a lot of this is West Virginia's agency, it right. They they still come out with a win, and this is just this is sort of rarefied air right now. And I I feel like Texas fans need to appreciate it because we don't know when the hell this is going to happen again. Tim, best team since
2: uh the, what two thousand no nineteen ninety UNLV. I would say something like
0: that. I was thinking this was nineteen forty two uh, with. You know, the the Longhorns, the first time they went to the Final Four, I remember that team very fondly. Yeah,
2: maybe
1: 77 Indiana. I always felt like Matt Coleman looked like a black Slater Martin, so that fits. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well,
2: and back to your initial point, Will, talking about Ramey, is one thing that, that will help and that I think has been positive for everybody is we're playing faster. So we're playing faster. And so... I'm going to put in a plug for, for Inside Texas um, later on here. But God damn one Lord. reason... Yep, I know it. But I guess I can't really express completely how formative Jerry Hamilton was for me when I was a college student. And shortly out of college, when I was just kind of really getting into the... And like, oh, I could write about Texas basketball. I could be a part of this stuff. And he was super knowledgeable about basketball and very very thoughtful with me He would email back and forth with me talking to me about team stuff and talk to me about hey when you're scouting players because i went and like i went and watched matt hill play i went and watched clint chapman play when they were in high school and he was really thoughtful with me and nice about like hey look for this stuff or pay attention to these things or talk to this coach when you're there and that was really cool and and jerry just has a, a very Straightforward, pretty s- simple way of looking at basketball, which I love and I try to do too as much as I can. But he's got this running tally on Inside Texas where he talks about very simply when Texas, it, it's a 75 point barrier. Like that's the barometer for this team. And in Big 12 play, under Shaka Smart, when Texas scores 75 points or more, they are 17 and 4. When they score under 75 points, they are 27 and 46, which again, I took stats in college and I got a C minus. So, uh, you can understand my, my level of understanding math, but I can understand that when you're, when you're over 80, an 80% win clip, uh, when you do this thing and you are at what, like a 35% win clip otherwise, you, you probably should do the thing that you do more. And so that faster pace and, getting up at tempo and and finding times where you can get your, your playmakers in space and, or even sending a guy like Ramey, like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get you into, into the paint as often as possible has been good. But what's been, what's really stuck out for me than these last few games, and especially in conference. And with that in mind is when you have three guards that are as ball dominant as Courtney, Andrew and Matt, you need for them to get you as close to those numbers t- to get to 75 as you can. And what's been really cool is this season so far those three have averaged like like all year long, they've averaged about 42 points, 11 rebounds and 10 and a half assists. So over that time frame, they've been, you know, 42, 11, 10 and a half. And when we talk about guys like DJ Augustine, or TJ Ford or Daniel Gibson or Avery Bradley or Jordan Hamilton, terrific players mean a lot to us as Texas fans because of what they did. But when you break it down, it's production, but like, that's what we're talking about. Like, like I, I love TJ for his leadership and for all the things he brought and making Texas cool. And because he comes and you can probably say that Daniel comes and LaMarcus comes and then guys like Durant and Augustine and, and you know, him being kind of the Pied Piper, but it's really production, and what is neat about this year is the past five years under Shaka, we just have not gotten that backcourt production. And if you're going to say, "Okay, guys, get to 75 points," well, then you need to rely on your guard play to get you as close to that as possible, so that you can that you're not saying, "Well, that's that's 75 points is going to mean Jarrett needs to get to 25 points, or we're never going to get there." Or Mo Bamba has to be at 20 points, or we're never going to get there. But when when our guards average 42, 11, and 10.5, that just simply from a production standpoint, that makes the rest of the team only have to put together 32 points. And when you're talking about Jericho, and Kai, and Greg, and Donovan, and Brock, and whoever else... Okay, we can get there. Like that's that's doable for this team when you talk about what the rest of them are doing. And then you you knock that up a little bit in Big 12 play. They're averaging 44 points, 13 and a half rebounds and almost 10 assists. So now you're saying, okay, again, Jericho, Greg, Kai, Brock, Donovan, Royce, you only have to account for 31 points. And we're going to we're going to find that magical 75 point number. And so, when when Courtney goes into the lane as much as he has, when when you you know when you see guys like like Andrew play as well as he has, when Greg goes crazy and scores over twenty points or gets his fourteen rebounds, that production, however it happens, the production is what matters. As as simply as I can put it for people who don't have a, a, a Apple Notes in front of them, not a spreadsheet or an Excel thing in front of them this season particularly this conference season is almost 10 points higher on average than texas's top three backcourt players have averaged in any other year under shaka so whatever else you know about how they're doing rebounding and assists wise almost 10 more points per game than any other year under shaka so if 75 is that magic number you don't want to have to rely on Jericho Sims and a freshman Kai Jones and a freshman Kamakahepa to get you those other 40 points. Well, we don't have to rely on that to score 40 points. It might just be 30. And now we've added a sophomore Kai Jones and a freshman Greg Brown who's really, really playing very well. And so so it's it's neat to see, hey, that 75 is, is a litmus test for us. And we're hitting that at a time when not only do we have terrific other players – than just our back court, our backcourt triumvirate, but also our backcourts playing at a level that we just haven't seen even close to under Shaka.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's interesting that the success of this backcourt has allowed for the emergence of this team. And, you know, having those 41 points on average throughout the season allowed for the ability that we don't really need a fourth scorer as much, but at the same time, it has allowed for that fourth scorer To emerge so let's go ahead and start looking forward here as Texas takes on the number 15 Texas Tech Raiders Red Raiders as they come to Austin they have a number of big time players they have on their team right now but they also have some interesting losses like they got pummeled by Houston they lost to Kansas at home I mean who does that Uh, they lost to Oklahoma State in overtime but let's not undersell them. This Texas Tech team is still very good and they still have a lot of pieces on it that can hurt Texas. Johnny, uh well, Tim, how does Texas Tech attack Texas usually? Johnny, how does Texas Tech attack Texas usually? Who so, whoever? How does Texas So, y'all, how does Texas Tech attack Texas usually?
1: We're we're on strike at this point. There's there's no. It's Neither of us is going to talk. It's just, it's this. So, uh, Tim, where can we what find you the What do we want? A new host? When do we want it? Now? Yeah. Um, so,
0: you guys are just I, pointing. You're like, you're like, no, I don't want to talk. He wants to talk. You're like, that was like, no, 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 not me. The other one. The other one knows what to talk
1: about. in This one. And I'm just like, all right, who wants to talk here? All right, nerd bat signal engage. Yes. Hi, I'm here. Um, so I, <laughs> you know, the thing about. It's it's sort of interesting that Tim talked about the seventy five point threshold uh, leading into a game where is probably incredibly unlikely that either team will crack seventy points. If it happens, it's probably because Texas. One convincingly, I, I don't expect that to be the case uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that Tech is still a very good defensive team. They're still fourth best in terms of their defes- defensive effic- efficiency uh, in D1. They have a very sound defense. They're, that's one of the mainstays of Chris Beard is that his defense is always pretty good, or at least his associate his assistant coach Adams is really good at putting that out there. Uh, they've had some up and down times with their offense. Although I think that they're going to get better as the season goes on in in no small part, because they've got McCuller out there who has just started playing again. And he was one of their better players last year. So I I don't think as much as I think that uh, there's lessons to be learned from Houston. I, I don't think that it is an apples to apples thing because McCuller was one of their better players last year. And he is, Only, I think this will be like his fifth game back. Um, But as far as the Houston game being instructive, I I think uh, maybe it was Jeff Haley who said, uh, you know, noted octopus enthusiast Jeff Haley said that what any team should probably take from that Texas Tech-Houston game is that with the overhelp of Tech and with their desire to take charges to end possessions – there is a lot of value in learning how to drive until you're about two or three feet outside the paint and stopping. Because if you go straight to the paint, there's probably gonna be a help defender who comes over and gets underneath you and tries to take charge to end the possession. And Houston was really good at driving until just outside the paint and kicking out to somebody, either doing a short mid-range shot or kicking out to somebody. And that's part of the reason why Houston was... Beating the crap out of them until the last few minutes of the game. Like Tech made it closer at the end, but there's a point at which Houston was up by 21 or 22, something like that. Like they were they were taking it to them. So my hope is as Texas plays Tech that uh, they don't get into the trap of taking a lot of charges and turning the ball over in that in that sort of situation. Because if Texas does that, then Tech is very well. Uh, position to take advantage of this game and and win in austin like i it's as much as tech has their sort of offensive ups and downs they are still a very dangerous team you cannot take them lightly uh mcclung torched texas when he was with georgetown so here's hoping texas remembers his ass from that that tournament um you know, if they can shut down McClung, limit limit him significantly, and then deal with whatever comes from there, then Texas ha- is the favorite here. But uh, it, it's not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination.
2: Matt and Courtney have to play great. I think they, they, we can't probably get an okay game from them and make it through, which seems weird to say because we've, we've weathered the storm so many times this year with... OK, maybe this game only Andrew plays well and this game only Matt plays well or this game Courtney plays great, but the other two not so much. But I, I, I if Matt and Courtney are our primary ball handlers, I think they need to play as well as possible or else it's going to be really tight because the more that we have to rely on Kai and Andrew and Greg as facilitators or as shot creators, the more I think those offensive fouls or turnovers are more likely because I think Courtney and Matt are are more likely to do what Johnny says, where they're going to drive under control and be able to to make some of those decisions in real time. Greg, less so. <laughs> He's got like one assist to twenty six turnovers this year. I can so, see
1: Greg <laughs> picking up three offensive fouls in the first half.
2: Uh, it's certainly plausible. So don't be surprised to see a, a heavy dosage of Brock in this next in in this game, but. But I still I still like I still like Texas's chances, of course. I think that that when they when you talk about firepower, we still have plenty of it and I think we'll be riding pretty high off that stuff. I also kind of like catching tech off of a big win. So if you know like whatever psychology of that stuff could be probably pretty decent because they beat, Iowa State by a lot and I think they I don't remember who they played before that, but they beat someone else pretty pretty handily too. Kansas, Kansas State. State maybe. Yeah, yeah so so it's 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 never all that bad to catch a team when they're when they're playing that well because either they are that great or they're gonna have a letdown at some point. So so I guess from that standpoint I'm not super concerned. And, uh, and Texas also are...
0: while we're looking back at Texas Tech's schedule, I'm interested to see how good they actually are because Every team they've played with a pulse, they have lost to. Uh, I guess Oklahoma. Oklahoma, they beat by two points. But even they lost to Oklahoma State. The, I mean, they've beaten Kansas State, Iowa State, Incarnate Word, Oklahoma, uh, Texas Tech, Corpus Christi. I believe that's who that is. I don't Abilene Christian, Grambling, Troy, uh, Sam Houston State, and Northwestern State.
1: Uh, that is noted powerhouse Texas A&M Corpus Christi, which Texas was supposed to play, but didn't because of COVID.
2: Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, Texas non-conference is always, like, well, it's not bottom even just 15 in the it's country. They're in
0: conference, too. They just haven't done well against teams that they
2: should, like Oklahoma State. When the season started, we thought that Tech would be fighting for a top-five finish. I thought they would be the weakest of those five. Maybe they will be. It looks like maybe they might finish ahead of West Virginia, but you know we're only four or five games in, so tough to tell for sure. And what I think they have more than West Virginia is they've got some firepower that West Virginia probably does not have. I'm not sure they have a player as dominant as Culver, and I'm not sure that they can impose their will offensively like, like West Virginia can or like Kansas can. But they certainly have – they might even be – like like Texas Tech's best could be one of the highest in the conference other than Baylor because of, of how good defensively Beard is and how well they protect the middle of the paint. So it's going to be interesting to see how comfortably we can create those inside-out offensive situations without getting some of the guys that will help us win. So I, I don't know. Maybe you look at, at Sims and Jones and Brown – maybe how many minutes they can play. If those, if those three are combined for 45 minutes because of foul trouble or ineffectiveness, then we're going to probably have some problems. But if we're able to get them more minutes in the 60 to 75 range, I think that this, this might even be a comfortable win because I think we have the, the defensive athletes to, to make life pretty tough on Texas tech, because if, if Texas tech has to create from nothing, like a lot of teams, they struggle when they can get in their offensive system and create against space, well, they'll shoot you out of there. McClung can can kind of tear you apart, but you hope that we're going to have the offensive or sorry the the defensive athletes and some of that that fly around kind of attitude that will that will make it tougher on them.
1: Yeah, I think with uh, one thing to consider is that as good as Tech has been defensively, both in conference and on the season, in terms of adjusted efficiency, Texas is still better. Not a, not much better, but a little better. And so if we're talking about two teams who are both good to elite defensively, then the question is, who is efficient offensively? And thus far, it's Texas. But I, I still want to put that McCuller-sized asterisk on it because he's only played in four games. So he he, he is not to be missed in this discussion.
0: All right. Now that we're done with Texas Tech, I really want to get to the the big question, which is how do you get Chris Beard on Texas's staff? When do you fire Shaka Smart to hire Chris Beard?
1: Why is he not like a defensive analyst who's just sort of in an off-floor recruiting kind of role? Is that is that not a problem? Can we just do that? Tim, Keep Shaka and his How does Texas bring hair? on
0: Chris Beard as Texas's head coach?
2: They fire Shaka in 2017 or 18 and just take a chance on Beard. At this point, I'm not really sure what you do.
1: Hmm. Well, you could consider that if uh, Matt Wells continues to fuck up in football, then Kirby Hoka may be out as the athletic director, in which case Chris Beard may need to look for another spot because he doesn't have someone willing to hide all his bullshit. How's that? Interesting, interesting take, interesting take.
0: Kansas State, they lost to a defensive, they lost to a Division two opponent, where the Division two opponent didn't beat them
1: in the record books. Wait, which is maybe my favorite thing sports wise to happen all year. I, yeah. I watched that on on Big Twelve now, or you know ESPN Plus or wherever the hell I found it. Like it was, might've been some satellite. V I P
0: or whatever, something.
1: Yeah. 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 Frontroad.biz.onion.whatever. Yes. Yeah. dot biz onion dot whatever. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I watched that entire second half and I was having a blast. Um, it was, it was an amazing thing to watch. Um, it's possible this game doesn't happen. I mean, Kansas State had to postpone their Iowa State game this week because Kansas State has covid issues. It's also worth mentioning that 2 days after Texas played West Virginia, West Virginia's postponing cuz of covid issues. So, maybe both teams have to postpone. You know, like maybe they just say, "Okay, it's a 3 on 3 game where we each have 4 available players." I I don't know. But like I I mean, who wins in f- that type of a
0: game Johnny who do you think it's we have I mean, Royce Ham, kamaka Hepa, stretch and Jace Febris on the floor against Kansas State's four best players
2: who wins <laughs> That's- against Dean Wade, Rodney Gruder, <laughs> Kurt <laughs> and <laughs> Kevin <Durrell>. Michael Beasley <laughs>
1: yeah I, I mean I, you know if if Nigel Pack is not out there then Texas still probably wins. Um, I like I, I like Mike McGirl. He he's a, he's a good player for Kansas State. He's very interesting. You know, I I just sort of enjoy watching him play. And Dejuan Gordon has, you know, I I don't know who I can compare him to, but he has a lot of potential. Um, he he could be I don't know. He could be a very good college player. I don't know if his NBA potential is there, but you know, Nigel Pack's the only guy on their team that shoots the three worth a damn. They are. Uh, as I check, 228th in the nation in their three point make percentage, and they're nearly top 50 in three point take percentage. So, a lot of offensive rebounding opportunities for Kansas State, a lot of defensive rebounding opportunities for Texas. Um, I mean, I, you know, the thing I guess with this is you know, Kansas State is normally, like, it's always with Bruce Weber teams the defense is their thing right like they are fine winning a 52 to 50 rock fight like and they they're happy slowing down the tempo as much as they possibly can and just trying to really take the air out of the ball and 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 kill the potential margin that way but this is not the team that can do that they're not good enough defensively uh they they play slowly offensively because they have to they play slowly defensively because the, the longer they run a defensive possession, it's that much less opportunity for them to turn the ball over on offense, which they do a lot. like that it's it's not a good team. It's really not. they've they have won five games, and out of those games, the only team who is in the top 200 in D1 per Ken Palm is Iowa State. So you know, This is as close as Texas gets to a gimme in conference play. And they better fucking do it as long as COVID doesn't you know, ruin it. So then, Tim,
0: since it's a gimme game, how does Texas fuck it up now, now that we've said it?
2: Well, if they... So if Kansas State shoots 40% or above from three, (laughs) Texas shoots under 15% from three Kansas state wins on the glass and shoots 25 or more free throws I'm going to say that's it now a few of those things would be very out of character for both teams I'm not sure (laughs) Kansas state has shot 25 or more free throws yet this entire season but if they smacked us from three and shot more free throws I guess they could win This is this is not this is not Iowa State where Johnny was preaching. Hey, the Cyclones aren't bad. They've got some bad losses. They're not a terrific team, but this is this is not an awful Cyclone squad. Whereas Kansas State's does creep into that kind of awful (laughs) territory. So that's yeah. It it would take it would take a a real unicorn of a game for the for the Wildcats to win. I I think
1: they have made. Twenty or more free throws three times this year. They were twenty of twenty-one against UMKC, which is uh, I, who is that? The Kangaroos at the, a Kansas the kangaroos. City. Yeah.
2: Yep. I got recruited by them for tennis. Oh, <laughs> <Let's> nice. <go. laughs> yeah. That's, uh, they no longer have a program. So they were, <laughs> they were
1: twenty of thirty against Fort Hayes State in the loss that does not count as a win for the D two team. And they were 26 of 29 from the free throw line against Iowa State. See, there you go. So there's there's the thing, yeah. There you go. That's it's it's possible.
0: It is possible. All right, guys. Let's talk about some uh, what's not basketball. Pretend you're getting to know us. This week's Pretend You're Getting the Know Us is a surprise because I forgot to put it in our little notepad, which... I was looking! I was not, looking! And <laughs> it's not there, so we're just going to come up with a random one, and it is this week. It is, what inanimate object do you wish you could eliminate from existence? <laughs> Tim's face. I have no idea. Uh, do we not like that one? We can come up with a different one. We can wait that one. Oh, it's next, fine. Next I
1: just... I just got to think for a second. Hang on. I got to think for a second. Is a hangover inanimate, just so I know
0: I don't know, I don't think
1: it's not even an object, it's a concept,
0: yeah, exactly. it's a concept that's 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 an a concept you could get rid of, but no
2: is celibacy an object?
0: <laughs> <laughs> is my virginity an object?
1: <laughs> it's definitely inanimate
0: <laughs> Eric, I'll start off with one. you guys ready? Sure. All right, yeah. I want to get rid of the coffee table that you stub your toe on in the middle of the night. That is mm. something that I think is pretty universally hated, and I think it transcends transcends cultures. Is that little coffee table where you need to wake up in the middle of the night and use the restroom? And because you don't live in a mansion, you're—I mean, I guess if you did live in a mansion, it'd be the same thing, but. You're walking down the hall, and, oh, no, there's that there's that damn coffee table that happens to be made out of cement, and uh, there's your toe. And uh, all of a sudden, you're in the emergency room, and you don't know what happened. You just wake up there, and they amputated your toe. And true story. Anybody else?
2: All right, so my first answer is guns. I'm just – I'm not into guns. My second answer is uh, – squares of concrete that are a little bit higher that I kick when I'm running and almost fall down in a terrible fashion uh that happened to me twice in like the last 3 or 4 days I'm running with my dog and all of a sudden I kick the the sidewalk cuz it's just a little bit above the previous sidewalk block and and first of all it hurts and the second of all I almost fall and then it hurts again cuz my my confidence just gets shaken to shit and uh, Why can't they fix that? Like, why? Why does that happen so often? Like, why? They've been laying concrete for years, centuries. How come we can't figure that? Anyways, it's better than when I was in India
0: and went on a run, and then, oh no, there's missing an entire thing of concrete, and oh no, there's the sewer, and oh no, you almost fall (laughs) into it.
2: (laughs) Oh no, there are alligators down there. Yeah. No, probably.
1: So I guess my answer is going to be racism, Johnny. Concept. Yeah, come on, come concepts. on. That's
2: if if a hangover is not a thing, then racism is not a thing.
1: I I just I I felt like we need to be a little bigger than the people who are tired of getting their toes stubbed, which is what the first two answers guns. were.
2: No, no, no. The the first answer, and then answer one. Have point. you never stubbed your toe on a gun,
1: sir? <laughs> No, I'm, That's the main I'm, thing that people stub their toes on. Yeah. Maybe not in Iowa. Uh, but then I guess my answer is going to be Mike Pence. Johnny, let's not be political here. Give me a damn thing that is inanimate. Was he not inanimate? I'm sorry. Um, all right. I guess. Uh... Have
2: you not seen the Jazzercise video of Mike <laughs> Pence running into talking? <laughs>
1: Just uh I guess we're just gonna go with uh, door jams. they're terrible, right? You gotta step your toe in them and it's it's awful. So door jams it's bad. Johnny, I
0: expected better. I expected better and I'm disappointed. You shouldn't. <laughs> uh, all right, I, I guess that'll be it for us then. Um, come up with a better answer than Johnny's. It's not gonna be
1: difficult yeah probably not
0: guys thank you for pretending you were a football for the past hour i've been your host thank you for vazer for that yes <laughs> you guys can find me on twitter at w i l l b a i z e r mr johnny Brashear, where can we
1: find you you can find me on twitter at bitter white guy where i make more hilarious political commentary and also on substack uh, bitterwhiteguy.substack.com i have Multiple patrons who have signed up in the last week, uh, probably out of pity, but I'll Many take it. Many leather
0: bound books.
1: Yeah. I'm, uh, I've His got patron
0: cells yeah, of rich mahogany.
1: I feel like this is probably a good example of like, what, you know, when you read about ancient Rome and the, the artists had patrons and you always think like, oh, they probably lived pretty well. And I'm going to be like, no, no, no. This is probably a more accurate just de- depiction of patrons where it's like, all right, I, uh, uh, I'm gonna get to buy some alcohol off this, which is cool. Thank you. Uh but I'm I'm not retiring off of what's happening on Patreon. So um yeah, you can find me there. And uh that's 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 pretty much it, I guess. Interesting, interesting. Tim. Yeah. Tim, welcome back
0: to the show. Hello. It looks like you put on a shirt, so you're ready to go. <laughs> uh he's been doing the shirtless y'all. It's been pretty hard for Johnny and I to keep focused. It's probably the reason I'm having such a hard show right now. That's why <laughs> he keeps talking about putting round pegs into, into circle holes. <laughs> Tim, where can we find
2: you, buddy? On Twitter, InsideTexasHoop, no S. And on InsideTexas.com, awesome community. Come hang out with us. We'd love to have you. If
0: you follow him on Twitter and he follows you back, he sends you random DMs where he is uh, pumping up his stuff. I found that out this week. As, uh, in the middle of the night, Tim sends me a tweet that says uh hey you guys should follow inside Texas because that's where I write and I'm like Tim I know
2: I'm aware thank you it was I I I saw on my phone the question mark that you sent in response and I was like why did he send that I have no idea what's that about so then I looked at the at our you know our uh text message chain that we all follow and it wasn't in there I was like that's weird And then I saw it on Twitter. I was like, huh, that's weird, too. And then I found out it was from some random accident by my my own part. So I won't do that. He just says I will because he wants to give me shit. But I won't. Or will I? Hmm. No.
0: Anyways, you guys, thank you for listening to us. You guys can find out other episodes like this one with all the shenanigans and whatnot on The Horn's Cash channel, which you guys can find on any podcasting platform out there, like Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, Twitter, Twitch? No. No. Maybe. Maybe. Parlor. Nah. Not happening. Anyways, thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next week. Hook'em. Hook'em.
2: So this week when I watched the game, it was pretty exciting because... um Well, when I woke up on Saturday morning, I knew that things were going to be pretty special because my niece from Minneapolis is here in town, and and my kids just adore her. She's a really neat gal, Uh, kind of dramatic, but a really neat gal. But she came down to town. She's just very thoughtful thoughtful to my kids. So the game was going to happen. And my dad and I were trying to decide, well, do we, do we go skiing on Sunday? Do we not go skiing on Sunday? But we decided we're going to go skiing on Sunday. We can socially distance. We can wear a mask the whole time. My kids are getting good in it. At one point when we were skiing yesterday, incredible. I loved it. Oh, and his, it's like the third or fourth time he's ever been skiing. And this time he went on a ramp. It was awesome. Like he went, he just, he went from three times ago, never skiing to now he's like, like taking jumps and stuff when he goes off the skis. It was really cool. So to see him do that was very heartwarming. Um, And my daughter went all the way down on on two greens and one blue as a seven-year-old made it to the bottom of the hill. Awesome stuff. She's doing a great job. Anyways, the West Virginia game. So I'm watching the West Virginia game, and it's not close for part of the second half. I'm a little bit nervous, and we'll see what happens. But um, things are quiet. Murphy's on lane right next to me. Um, I had what they're called Dots. We talked about Dots, the pretzels that are delicious from North Dakota. They're delicious pretzels. Kind of garlicky, pretty salty, a little spicy. Kind of have a green pepper taste, so a lot of spiciness with the green pepper. Um, One of the spicier peppers uh, that you find here in Iowa. And so that was was delicious. And so I'm I'm watching the game. I'm eating the peppers. Well, pepper-tasting pretzels. And... um, as the game continues, I'm like, we're hanging around, we're hanging around. So I have to stop halfway through because Murphy had gone upstairs and was like clawing at the doors. I was like, oh, I guess he's got to go outside. So we go outside to take him out of the bathroom. He doesn't go he doesn't go to the bathroom like what dog needs to go outside and doesn't go to the bathroom so i take him out there but he doesn't want to go so we come back and i was like you just didn't want me to see the game but he was fine with me watching the game eventually so we came back downstairs and as we were doing that it was pretty fantastic because then we got closer to close to the end of the game and then as the end of the game got closer it was pretty cool to see andrew hit that shot and i yelled boom and owen came downstairs and was talking about it with me and then anna came downstairs and asked what was going on so we rewatched the play and then we we watched that that last oh, 10, 15 seconds, probably 12 times, and then I was like, well, watch Hootie. She's in the background, and then Hootie, like, after the shot, like, Hootie just goes, boom, and, like, you know, kind of does a fist pump, and then one of the assistant coaches kind of closer to the end line does a boom, and, like, at the same time, Donovan Williams